Warning. While Stephanie Meyer may have written Twilight for children and young adults, Twilight, a literary podcast, contains adult content. If that kind of stuff isn't your speed, feel free to stop here. Everyone else, please sit back and enjoy our explicit podcast. Well, hello, hello, and welcome to Twilight, a literary deep dive into the blood-sucking skin sparkling world of Twilight. From a lifelong fan. And a first-time reader. Join us as we try to answer the question, does Does it it suck? unfortunate that we have to record uh on this national day of mourning but um it's the only time we could but so we're gonna brave through this who, um who so, died well uh the chief super bowl hopes have died ah, um they were snuffed out last night and even worse tom brady has won another super bowl even worse that's why it's a national day of mourning i see i see yeah so, um, you know, just bear with us. I'm sure, you know, our listeners are reeling just like we are, but we're going to get through this and we're going to talk books because books can't hurt you. Yeah. By the way, except that's... for Tom Brady's book. Don't listen don't to buy, that advice. Don't buy that. Pliability is not shit. a real it's thing. Bullshit. It's made up. Anyways. The key, the actual key to uh, health is having, having a lot a of money dick. and good genes. Uh, so for those of you who don't know, that is Spencer, my lovely co-host. Who cares? Nothing matters anymore. And I am Jessica. You can call me Jess, though. Jessup. Jip. Yep. But yeah, no. No bad vibes. No bad mood. We're going to have a great old time reviewing New Moon chapters 18 through 20. Starting with chapter 18, which is... The funeral. <laughs> Good moods all around. Good vibes at yep. the funeral. Just <laughs> diving right into a great old time. All right. We're going to start things off with our chapter summary. Chapter 18, The Funeral. Just had to say it again, but more upbeat, but it still sounds sad because it's the funeral. It's a funeral. So it didn't really work. But anyways, Bell opens the door to find Jacob, his face crinkled in clear disgust and standing a pandemic, a pan, standing a pandemic safe distance away from the house. Excellent. I got there. Behind him, his car sits idle with Jared and Embry inside, watching intently. Jacob asks if, he's, if she's alone, and Bella lies, telling him Alice went out to run errands. I mean, she technically did leave. I thought she was, like, on no, the other side of the door. she said, I shouldn't be here. Oh. Then. Well, fair enough. <laughs> That's how she was actually able to lie successfully. Because <laughs> she was telling the truth. Yeah. Bella invites him in to talk, but when they go inside, Jacob begins methodically pacing through the house, intensely sniffing like a bloodhound tracking down an escaped convict, which I got really annoyed when he started doing that. I'd be so pissed. If you start going around sniffing everything. I mean, just making sure everything's okay. I guess, but he's being weird. Well, right, we'll get to it. Yeah, Bella blocks his path and tells him to tell her what he came to say. He tells her that because of the treaty, as long as a Cullen is in town, they're only allowed to protect their own lands. They can't keep Bella or Daddy Swan safe unless they stay in La Push. He then asks if the rest of the Cullen family is returning to, and Bella tersely tells him no. She was annoyed by his overly submissive attitude. So am I. 
His voice had the same force calm tone as Sam's, which bothered Bella, though she wasn't quite sure why. With nothing left to say, Bella tells him to leave and Jacob exits the room. But a moment later, he slinks back in to apologize. He broke his promise again. Mm. Bella says it's okay. She knew choosing to see Alice would hurt him. And Bella asks if there's any way she could be friends with him and Alice at the same time. But he flatly tells her no. Jerk. But he's willing to wait. So what's the difference, though? Like, I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't uh, really, I feel like we're picking nits here, people. Just, just, just shut up. Stop being annoying teenagers, you annoying teenagers. (laughs) Jacob takes a sniff of Bella's hair and tells her that she smells bad. Great. At least least someone isn't telling her she tastes good for once. True. (laughs) Some other sensory description. It's a sickly saccharine and icy scent that burns his nose. This, rather understandably, annoys the shit out of Bella. (laughs) And she tells him that Alice um, also thought that she smelled bad. Bella tries to convince him that things don't have to be like this between him and the Collins, but Jacob is resolute, much like the desk. He can't be friends with a vampire. Sorry, it took me a second to catch up with that. I was like, what? <laughs> the resolute desk. If you've seen National Treasure 2, Book of Secrets, you'll know all about you'll the know resolute all about desk. It. Pair of desks. Twins. Mm-hmm. Twins, you might say. One in the Oval Office. Which formerly... Um, had a red button for Diet Coke on it. <laughs> what do you think Biden turned that button into? Because that button was no, there before. No, he said he got rid of it. Oh, see, I always heard that the button was just like a butler, like to call like a butler, but Trump basically turned it into a Diet Coke because every time he pressed it, that's all he was asking for. Interesting. Yeah, and it was no longer on the desk. Ah, even, bummer. Like, pictures and shit. Hmm. Maybe it'll bring him. I would have changed it to like bring me a mask or something or like hand sanitizer. <laughs> Anyways... Jacob holds up her chin with one hand and softly strokes her cheek with the other. Bella knows what's happening, and she knows she hasn't made up her mind yet, but she doesn't look away. He still isn't the Jacob that she fell for, but Bella wonders if one day maybe he could be. Jacob's face leans in close, but they're interrupted by the sudden ring of the telephone. Which is connected to the wall, and it's like for the whole house? I don't understand what the phone deal is. It's so weird. It's called a landline, for those of you young folk. Is that like a TikTok thing? Sure. Oh. That sounds like a trap song. Landline, landline, landline. Calling on my landline, calling on my landline. Jacob, in peak asshole mode, grabs Bella's phone and answers it right in front of her. He tells whoever it is on the line that Charlie isn't home. He's at the funeral. And then he hangs up. He tells her it was Carlisle. But he only asked about Daddy Swan, not Bella. Because so. that makes so much sense. Yeah. The no, fuck? like, <laughs> there's so much I'm mad about. With this. I know. I know. Me too. <laughs> I'm, I'm so <sighs> mad. He's at Mike territory with this. That right. is the most dickhead thing to do. He answers no, 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 her no, phone. Not Mike territory. This is Tyler territory. Well, yeah. I meant like level of annoyance, like with Mike. But you're right. This is more of a Tyler move, but uh, a Tyler Crowley move, but. He answers her phone, a vampire calls, which is a big deal, one of the Collins calls, and he hangs up. I guess Carlisle hangs up on him, but still. Carlisle. Yeah, well, we'll get there. Uh, Bella revs up to give him a thorough tongue lashing, um, not like making out, but like. uh, That is not what tongue lashing means. 
Anyways, they're <laughs> lashing tongues. Uh, but Jacob quickly <laughs> that looks... how you make out. <laughs> you lash tongues. Isn't that how you make out, people? I mean, it's a way to describe it. <laughs> but Jacob quickly looks over his shoulder as if he heard something. He tells Bella he has to leave, and he runs to the door. Bella chases after him, but he suddenly stops before in front of the door, causing Bella to slam into his back, knocking her over. Alice is standing motionless at the top of the stairs. Bella gets up and runs to her side. She can feel Alice's body trembling, and she asks her what's wrong. Edward, she whispers. <laughs> That's I my like Alice. That. Edward. 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 She whispers. Bella's body begins to sway as her mind tries to make sense of what could possibly be happening to Edward to make Alice look so concerned. The room begins to spin faster, and the stairs turn to an unnatural angle because Bella, she's falling. Right. Is the implication there? Well, Bella finds herself on the couch. Not sure how she arrived there. The couch is shaking so violently. But you've had that moment a lot, huh, babe? No. Except a bed. No, I know exactly how I arrived there. I winked. I went to sleep. The couch <laughs> is shaking so violently, for a moment Bella wonders if it's an earthquake, but realizes she's gripping Jacob's trembling arm. Bella is trying to calm him down as a series of snarled profanities spew from his mouth. Alice pulls her small silver phone and calls Rosalie. She tells her she was wrong and to have Carlisle call her as soon as he can. Bella tells Alice that Carlisle just called and Jacob recites the brief conversation. Alice tells him that it wasn't Carlisle on the phone. It was Edward. I feel like they got to sound very different unless Edward, unless they can all do that like perfect compression thing like well, Alice did for I mean, Edward's it was, voice. It was... Yeah, probably he was probably pretending to be Carlisle. I guess Jacob, Jacob wouldn't know the difference. The you're right, you're anyways. right. Yeah. Asshole. Yeah. God damn it. He thinks it, you're dead. Yeah. <laughs> um, say it again. Sorry. He thinks you're dead. Alice tells them in a choked whisper. Alice had told Rosalie about her vision of Bella jumping from the cliff, and Rose, like an asshole, went and tracked down Edward to tell him. When Jacob said Daddy Swan was at the funeral, he assumed it was Bella's funeral. And he didn't question, like, why it Jacob just, was answering, or well, I guess he, he doesn't... He, it but was just he, a was, male's voice. You but, like, why know. didn't he... Why was there just a dude at the house? He didn't question anything, like... No, well, he was expecting. He was calling to confirm that Bella was dead, and when he said, he's not here, he's at the funeral, that pretty much confirmed everything he needed to know. Man, Harry Clearwater really fucked everything up. Like if he I just said, ate less, a, like... a plot device. If he ate less steak, none of this could have happened. I don't think that's how heart conditions work, babe. Well... I think it's a little more complicated than that. Alice is surprised by how well Bella is taking the news. Bella figures it's just a misunderstanding, and they'll tell Edward next time he, they talk to him. Because that seems reasonable. Right. Alice clarifies the situation they're in. There won't be another chance to talk to Edward, because he truly believes Bella is dead, and is now going to Italy, to the Volturi, her conversation with Edward, which now felt like several lifetimes ago, came rushing back into her mind. I was thinking maybe I would go to Italy and Wait, do something. Wait, can some I do it? Yeah. Oh, I was thinking maybe I'd go to Italy and like do something provocative with Turi. Uh, like, you know, you don't irritate them unless you want to die. That's what Edward said. That's what Edward said. Uh, so Bella that's how he realizes sounded. he plans on taking his own life. Bella screams in frustration. He left her. He denied her immortality. Why does he care if she dies now? Seriously. Like, really, he's being a, just such an asshole. Yeah. <laughs> just a dramatic little bitch about this. Uh, 
She stands up and asks Alice what they can do. <laughs> well, go ask Alice, am I right? Did you ever read that? Yeah, I did. You know, no, it's... I actually, yeah, no, I did. I watched that. I read that one, but mm-hmm. I actually liked the second novel, the Lucy in the Sky. Oh, with diamonds. Yeah, does the girl take a lot of LSD? Yeah, she goes yeah. to a super rad party, has like threesomes. I was like, this does not turn me off from drugs. Oh, at all. okay. I'm glad you said that because, because there's this ex- like fucking bouncy house and having a cool ass yeah. time. And it's like the threesome that like clears her mind afterwards. She was like, that's so not me. And I'm like, that's sounds fucking like, rad. Sounds like you. <laughs> but yeah, I read Go Ask Alice in like middle school. It wasn't for class or anything. I just read it on my own, so I had no one to like tell me anything. But I completely got the op- the wrong message from it because I was like, this girl is like not really cool. She just did whatever, and then she, yeah, she did acid at a party on accident, and then she was like hanging out with all these cool kids, and and she was like having sex and stuff. And I was like, well, that sounds awesome. Yeah, this. Sounds I want to do drugs. Dope. That sounds really cool. <laughs> I was too scared to do drugs still, but I'm like, even it definitely though... didn't turn you off from drugs. No, it, I was like, I mean, as long as I don't like move to san francisco and like you know like die in a gutter yeah I, if i do a little drugs i'll be i'll be like I'll cool a good time <laughs> and that's true kids if you're listening um no. do drugs it no. will make you cool especially no. if you buy them for your friends no coke can't kill you it, it literally cannot or am i thinking of weed you're thinking of weed Coke may be able to kill you. Yes, especially if it's laced with something like fentanyl. See, that's the danger, actually, of Coke. It's not so much that Coke's dangerous, it Listen, is. Listen, kids, if you're going to do drugs, test them first. Test them first or just stick to plants. You know, stick to your shrooms, stick to your weed, because it's a plant, you can just look at it. Can't really lace weed as, you know, like, it's easier to tell than, right. like, a Coke. Don't, don't buy any pre-rolled blunts from yeah. a dealer. Yeah. That shit's whack. Yeah. Oh, God, no. If anything, no. you know, go for, go on a vacay to Colorado. I was going to say, just take a long trip. Take a road trip. Don't bring anything back, because that's illegal. Right, but, you know, go there, really do the drugs, then come back. Yeah. But only if you're above the age of 21. Obviously, if you're above the age of 21. Or if you're mature enough. That's what we mean by kids, between the ages of, like... Yeah. Um, or if you're like a mature 17. No, I'm going to say no to that. All right. For legal reasons, we're going to say don't do drugs unless you're over 21 and they're legal wherever you're doing them. Correct. I don't do drugs, mom. Never have, never will. Only pharmaceuticals, which cannot hurt you. Anyways, babe. <laughs> Where are we? <laughs> oh, yeah. So she stands up and goes and asks Alice what they can do. And Alice says don't do drugs, but that doesn't help. So she also says that they don't have much time if they have any at all. They would have to go to the city of the Volturi, well, Volturra. I didn't know what it was Volterra. called. Volterra. I didn't know what it was called when I wrote that part. Mm-hmm. To show Edward that Bella is alive. But it'll be extremely dangerous for her. The city is full of vampires, and she's a human who knows their secrets and, you know, is constantly being told how good she smells right. or would taste. Yes. She's told how bad she smells and how good she would taste. <laughs> Weird. But Bella, of course, is undeterred. She's going to go. Alice goes to call the airlines while Bella writes a note to leave for Daddy Swan, who's got to be getting used to this at this point. I mean... Also, it's terrible time for Daddy Swan. Terrible. I mean, coming home from your best friend's funeral to, to find your, that your daughter gone, gone again? God damn. Jacob promises to watch over him while she's gone, even if it means breaking the treaty, which it wouldn't because there's no Cullens. Right. But anyways, Bella runs upstairs and quickly packs and then comes back down to find Jacob and Alice snarling at each other in front of the open door. Jacob tells her it's too dangerous for Bella to go, but Alice is not backing down. Bella gets Alice to run to her car, and she follows behind. Jacob catches her arm and pleads again for her to stay. 
tears glistening in his eyes. Bella shakes her head, sending her own tears flying. Bella pulls her arm away and Jacob doesn't resist. Don't die, Bella, he chokes out. Don't die, Bella. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, is that him choking it out? Excellent. Bella! Stop. You're adding words. You didn't Bella. say that. Bella embraces him, staining his chest with tears. Jacob puts her hand on her hair, but Bella pulls it away and kisses his palm. Because, you know, she's, she's weird. <laughs> yeah, and a virgin. She needs to do more drugs. <laughs> Bella runs to the car, and Alice slams on the gas, sending them away. As they leave, Bella notices a spot of white just on the edge of the trees. A shredded piece of a shoe. Chapter 19, Race. Bella sits with Alice on their first flight, bouncing with anticipation. Oh, I get it. <laughs> I was like, It's from Rocky what? Horror. That's not an original joke, <laughs> if anyone doesn't know. Go watch Rocky Horror. It's a great movie. Yeah. Alice picks up the phone on the back of the seat. I don't know what, why there was yeah, a phone. It's like someone stick their phone then. I when that thing existed. Really? Yeah. Oh, like my whole childhood, Those were, that was like a thing. Huh. And then they were just like gone in a day. They're all like just... Suddenly they're completely gone. Like they're not, they weren't left over for any kind of time, I feel like. It's weird. And she calls Jasper. Bella can only hear half of the conversation, but Alice is clearly trying to convince him to keep the rest of the Collins from coming to Italy. She thinks their presence will only pressure Edward to carry out his plans. But more importantly, she doesn't want to put anyone else in danger from the Volturi. She hangs up and tells Bella how much she hates lying to him. I know, I really like that part. I know, it's so sad. That was actually really sweet from alice yeah you know she's like i'm i may lose edward but i'm not gonna let jasper Jasper. i'm not and she's like i hope you understand like because i mean she's basically at the expense of edward and bella's life and her own life yeah she he could help but it's not worth the risk yeah yeah no i like that though bella asks why couldn't edward just read her thoughts and know that she was actually alive which is a good question, and it is a good, I, it's I, a I like this. Question. And I like this answer. It makes a lot of sense. Yeah, and I like that Alice doesn't chide her for having reasonable questions <laughs> for the f- first time in Bella's entire <laughs> history. So Alice points out that one, he would have to be trying to listen to her thoughts. Which, yeah, he doesn't. He's thinking and about himself. Yeah, right exactly. Now. Um, and two, Edward would know that if Alice were trying to stop him, she would be thinking Bella is alive, even though she wasn't. Um, even if she wasn't, yeah. Sorry, even if she wasn't. You're right. She, Which is she, honest, great, you know, a great little clarification on that plot point. Yeah, she's like, even if you actually did die and I was going to save him, I, I, would, I would be, be thinking, thinking Bella's not dead, Bella's and not dead. he would know that she would know, she would be trying to manipulate, his, you know, use his powers to try right. to, to trick him or something. Yeah. Very smart. Yeah, I know. Um, the only way to convince him is to have him see Bella in person. But... Alice notices a businesswoman, or sorry, Alice notices a businessman sitting across the aisle who seems to be listening in on them. So she switches to whispering in Bella's ear after like staring Hot. at him. Yeah. Like fucking glaring. Yeah, fuck that guy. Yeah. Being weird. Real. Alice explains that it's exceedingly rare for vampires to form groups larger than two or three. Most of them are just on their own. The Cullens are the largest group that they know of outside of the Volturi. The main family consists of three males and two females, all of them over 3,000 years old. Along with them are nine permanent members of the Guard and an unknown number of more transitory members, many of them being gifted with powers that make Alice's, quote, look like a parlor trick. Doubt it. Yeah, I think 
I'll explain in my predictions later, but I don't think they're going to see Alice's powers as a parlor trick. The Volturi rarely leave the city, except when they need to enforce their laws. Bella, surprised, asked what their rules are. Alice says there's really only one to keep their existence a secret. Alice says what their one secret is. She's like, I'm sure you could guess. And I was thinking, well, it's that the secret of being a vampire. And then Bella's like, I don't know. And I was just like, what is the most important thing about, like, our existence? Like, what are we most focused on? Yeah. She's like, I, I, I nothing. And I'm like, to keep it a secret. Well, Bella acknowledges <laughs> that, oh, oh, it was, like, so obvious that I Yeah, because Alice is like, it's it. really obvious. And then when she tells Bella, Bella's like, oh, yeah, that was really obvious. But yeah. that the whole bit was really funny. <laughs> just, like, <laughs> Alice is like, no, really, just guess. And yeah. Al- Bella's like, I literally I have no clue. Yeah. <laughs> Which uh, is like me. Like, <laughs> they're like, no, seriously, it's so easy. And I'm like, well, it's not easy enough, obviously. And you're saying I can't this makes it. Yeah, and I'm, honestly, I can't even think now. I'm just stressed because I, yeah. I, I just want you to tell me. <laughs> Most vampires don't need policing, but every so often one of them steps out of line. And when they do, the Volturi sweep in and take them out. So And not to dinner. No. To death. Takes them out to die. Bummer. <laughs> Uh, so, Alice explains, Edward's plan is to ask the Volturi to kill him. And if they don't, he will publicly break their rule right in their own city of Volterra to force their hand. Volterra has been ruled in secret by the Volturi for thousands of years. They are so protective of their city that hunting is not allowed within its walls. Instead, for food, humans are brought into them. For Edward to expose himself in the city would be the greatest act of disrespect he could perform. Alice and Bella would likely be killed, too, if they were discovered to be connected to Edward. The lack of fear in Bella's eyes prompts Alice to tell her that she's going to do everything she can to bring her back to Daddy Swan. And she makes Bella promise to not do anything unnecessarily reckless. Even though Bella's been searching out recklessness yeah, the like, entire time. Yeah, yeah, good luck with, good luck with that, Alice. Alice sits back and closes her eyes to focus on seeing what's to come while Bella tries to find ways to distract herself. She absentmindedly watches the in-flight movie without headphones, which I gotta say, I've, I've done that before. In fact, I've done it because I like to keep the map on mine, like mm-hmm. the flight map, mm-hmm. that I will like look up at somebody else's screen yeah. and just kind of watch whatever they're watching without listening. <laughs> I've definitely done that like unintentionally if it's like a movie i yeah. I, I know really well and like i'm re- i'm usually reading or something or on my phone and then i look over at someone else's screen and then i just kind of start watching it because mm-hmm. i know like what's happening and i know what the dialogue is so yeah. i'm just kind of staring at it <laughs> <laughs> and then i'm like oh god i'm being weird <laughs> it, it's weird how like intrusive that feels just watching someone else's screen even though like it's not theirs but it's like right the- there i can see it quite easily right and like it's not really intrusive it's not like it's anything private but it, it does feel like really kind of creepy when someone does that i know it's weird Ye- it's kind of like if you like like i always think about like throwing Sybil's poop bags our dog are uh, in like someone else's trash can and oh, like yeah. why that feels so wrong when it doesn't really matter yeah like it's not like it's taking up space is out for pickup. right well no it, that one is a little better but like if it was just like on the side of their house mm-hmm. or something I guess maybe the creepy part is just going to their that close to their house yeah. but like it doesn't feel wrong to put your trash in someone else's trash can even if it like didn't take up space or anything it's yeah. wrong no I feel you I'd fight someone over that well, while Bella's watching this film, she's like trying to figure out if it's supposed to be a horror film or a romance film, which I think is a fun game. 
I thought it was a very uh, like meta and uh, kind of poignant line for the book oh, series. Yeah, that's true. Is it a horror story is horror or is it a love story? Love story. Wow, babe, that's good catch. Yeah, there. you were supposed to read that line more dramatically, but I uh, like how well, you said it. <laughs> so they land in New York City and board their next New York to Italy. Italia. Yes. Why didn't they just go to Little Italy? Is there a little uh, Volterra? No. Maybe a little Volturi? Volterra. But a little Volturi in Little Volterra. Volterra. And it's like say, a tiny, I'm tiny say, vampire. I'm going to say no to that, Buckaroo. <laughs> Don't you call me Buckaroo. Not outside the bedroom. All right. <laughs> uh, Alice then goes back into her trance, and Bella manages to briefly fall asleep. She's awoken by Alice, who has some news, and they're like, yell whispering at each other at this point while everyone else is asleep. Right. Uh, the Volturi are planning to reject Edward's request for them to kill him. In fact, they find his powers very intriguing. They're going to ask Edward to join them. Alice can't tell what exactly his response will be, but she knows it's not going to be exactly cordial. <laughs> Bella asks how she can see these things so clearly when other events, her suicide or James killing her last year, are so fuzzy. Another good question, Bella. And again, like you point out, Alice doesn't like make her feel stupid for asking a reasonable question. Exactly, yeah. Alice explains that it's easier because what's happening is immediate and close, and she's concentrating hard on a specific event. Edward is also easier to predict because she's spent so much time with him. Bella laments that she wishes Alice had been right about her, about her becoming one of them. A vampire. (laughs) Say it (laughs) out loud. (laughs) But not too loud. We don't want the businessman to hear it. Alice, exacerbated by Bella, brings this up again and says she's thinking about turning Bella herself. This is just fucking ridiculous. Alice, but... you know what you're doing. You're playing with this poor girl's feelings. Don't <laughs> don't you say this. Bella stares in shock for Bella. a moment and then excitedly asks if they can do it now. Oh, please. Bella, you're doing so well with your good questions. What a stupid thing to say. <laughs> Bella points out, I'm sorry, Alice points out that the process takes several days and besides, a plane isn't exactly the ideal place to do it. She's like, I'm not even sure that I wouldn't kill you. Yeah, she literally is like, I'd probably end up killing you if I tried. Like, it's actually really hard to, like, pull it off. Yeah. Especially on a fucking plane. Yeah. (laughs) Alice hugs her legs to her chest and begins slowly rocking back and forth in her seat. So much for not trying to draw attention to yourself. Uh, Everyone's asleep now. True. (laughs) She's just sitting there rocking slowly. She begins concentrating again, and after a minute, she tells Bella the Volturi have just rejected Edward's request. Edward decides at first to go hunting in the city to draw out the Volturi, but changes his mind at the last minute. He doesn't want to disappoint Carlisle, even when he's trying to get himself killed, which mm. is very sweet. That is very sweet. Instead, which, I mean, it, but is it even about Carlisle? I don't think Edward wants to. He, he hates that he's like a monster and that he like Right, he wouldn't or, want his last act to right. be something so he thinks is so vile. But I like himself. that that the, that line about it being, he doesn't want to disappoint Carlisle. Yeah. Instead, he's going to walk out into the sun under the clock tower, exactly at noon when the sun will be directly overhead. Love the theatrics. I know. He's such a dramatic boy. Thus exposing himself and his sparkly skin to the unsuspecting humans. The pilot announces their descent, and Alice asks how Bella feels about Grand Theft Auto. (laughs) Not the game, the crime. Right. Which I've been like, yeah, GTA's dope as hell. Do you know what it's called in Italy? What? Grand Theft Auto. Okay. 
Upon their arrival, Alice steals them a bright yellow Porsche. BYT. The inside black as night. They race towards Volterra as Alice explains that there is a festival going on in the city. St. Marcus Day. The festival celebrates the Christian missionary, St. Marcus, for driving out all of the vampires from the city uh, 1,500 years ago. What a great job he did. Marcus, however, is actually a vampire himself. Oh shit. One of the founding members of the Volturi. Alice points to a castle city atop a nearby hill. Volterra. As she looks upon the ancient city, a new selfish kind of dread pulses through Bella. I, I wrote that the way Maya wrote it, because I like that, that a new selfish kind of dread. Yeah. Where she's like... Bella's finally worried about her own safety yeah, for once. Yeah. But also I like that way she described it because uh, up until this point she was just worried about Edward and now she's like oh I could die. But yeah. I think that was a great way to put it. Mm-hmm. Chapter 20. Volterra. Traffic slows to a crawl as Alice and Bella approach the city. Ahead of them they see people park and leave their cars to enter the festival. It's a windy day and different assortments of red scarves, hats, and flags billow and whip around in the wind. Alice tells Bella she has a plan to get in but if it doesn't work She'll have to run and find the clock tower on her own. I didn't describe this great. That's why I paused. I was trying to think of say it better. But basically, like, there's a big festival and the cars are lined up and you're kind of parking outside the city to walk in because yeah, they're no not one can able drive to in. Get in. Yeah. yeah. Um, after an agonizing wait, they finally reach the front of the line. Instead of pulling off to park like the others, Alice accelerates forward to the front gate. A guard comes up to tell them no cars are allowed in the city. Alice takes his hand, with hers concealed in elbow-length tan gloves, and casually places a thick wad of money. Wad. Yes. The guard waves them in, and Alice weaves through the crowded streets, angering and likely endangering many festival goers. So, um, I got, interestingly, the book mentions that the outside note is a $1,000 bill, and I thought that was an odd choice, and it led me down a rabbit hole. You'll see the length of my note here. Oh. Uh, so I'm gonna. We're gonna do a quick little detour tangent. I'm gonna go over the history of the one thousand dollar bill because I think it's very interesting. Oh, it actually exists. Yeah. So that's that's why I was like, there's no one thousand dollar bill. So why would she say that? So I thought it was a bit of an odd choice. So I did a little research. The so the last version of the one hundred dollar bill to actually be circulated for use was printed in 1934 along with a uh, $500 note to combat the cash shortage caused by the Great Depression. Hmm. So people were withdrawing like all their money at once and banks were running out of like cash. Right, and they needed they need a, a higher value bill so they could, you know, supply it. Right. Uh, and the bill featured Grover Cleveland, most famous for being the only president to serve two non-consecutive terms. Correct. And uh, production of the bill ceased in 1945. Uh, it was no longer needed for the Depression, obviously. And in 1969, Nixon ordered them to be recalled as the large denominations made it easier to launder money. Okay. So instead of having to drag around, you know, $1,100 bills, you could, you know, uh, drag around $100,000 bills or whatever. Right. You know, yeah. so, like, it made it easier to, like, you know, pedal drugs and all that. Right. Today, there are around 160000 $1,000 bills that remain out in circulation. Huh. They're still legal tender but are worth far more as cl- on the collector's market than, you know, their actual value, netting anywhere from 1600 to $20,000 depending on their rarity and condition, wow. where they were printed and all that. That is absolutely fascinating. Isn't it? That's awesome. Huh. I thought it was very cool. So yeah. that's why I included it. Because <laughs> I just got in a 
rabbit hole. Alice takes them as far as they can, but once the crowds become too thick, thick, Belle leaps from the car to continue on foot. Alice points her in the direction of the tower and drives off to find another way around. Bella races through the streets, nearly knocking people over in the process. But the crowds become too tight, and despite her pushing and shoving, she's moving too slow to reach the clock tower in time. Fitz is licking me. <laughs> my cat is licking me curly. <laughs> I don't know why. He's licking my leg. <laughs> then she finds a break in the crowd, a fountain sitting in the middle of the street. She runs through the knee-deep water, likely tainting Italian-American relations for decades to come. <laughs> That's one of those lines. This happens to me fairly often, but I, I think of that. I thought of that joke, and then I looked down in the book. I had written that joke the first time I read through. Oh. I wrote, Bella's like single-handedly ruining Italian-American relations. <laughs> relations. <laughs> uh, I know myself. She leaps off the edge of the other side, sending water flying all over. Fortunately, the crowds begin to clear much faster for her to avoid her soaking wet clothes. Excellent technique. <laughs> I mean, Bella. hey, it's working. <laughs> if you don't care who you piss off, it's it's working. A deep, booming chime rings through the streets. It's noon. Bella frantically calls for Edward as she races toward the tower. It booms again, then again. Bella finally reaches the tower and searches the shaded side streets for Edward, but to no avail. The tower keeps ringing. Then, Bella notices a little girl giggling to her mother and gesturing toward the shadowy area. Bella spots a white figure cloaked in the shadows. She had found Edward. He stood motionless in the alley, just a few feet separating him from the exposing light. His face was serene, but deep purple rings surrounded his eyes. His chest was bare, exposing his marble white chest. Even exasperated and gasping, Bella can't help but marvel at his beauty. Everything that happened between them, the words he used to plunge into her chest, none of it mattered now. If she lived for a day or for eternity, she would love him forever. I do love that moment because mm -hmm. she realizes like it, it's always him. I literally talked to you about this when I was reading. I was like, "Oh, Jacob has no chance. Yeah, like it's over. Like she's clearly it's it's she never talks about Jacob like that. Right? Not, not even close." A thunderous toll from the clock tower snaps Bella back into reality. She sprints towards him as he moves to the edge of his protective shadow. Edward, look at me, she screams, but he isn't listening. A slight grin breaks across his face as he raises his foot to take the final step into the light. But before he can, Bella's body collides with his. The force of the impact should have sent her flying, but his stone arms reflexively move to catch her. Edward's eyes slowly open and meets Bella's gaze. A bemused look forms on his face. Amazing. He says, his voice full of serene delight. Carlyle was right. Bella, in desperate gasp, tells him to go back into the shadows. He stares at her with distant, absent-minded eyes, quietly amused, like she was a pet trying to communicate something to him. Despite the danger they were in, Bella feels his presence pool into her, erasing the wounds that he had left before. I can't believe how quick it was. I didn't feel a thing, he says to himself. He says that she smells exactly as before, and if this was hell, he would gladly take it. I'm not dead, Bella replies. I'm not dead. She tells them they have to hurry. The Volturi will be there any second. Comprehension begins to flicker across his face. In a flash, he pulls her into the shadows and up against a brick wall. He stands with his back to her and his arms spread wide. Two dark, 
featureless shapes had joined them in the alley. One of the mysterious figures tells Edward to come with them. Aro has requested to speak to him. Edward tries to send Bella away, but they insist that she comes with them too. When Edward refuses, the bigger of the two, Felix, moves in closer. Bella can sense that Edward is preparing to fight, but they are interrupted by Alice, walking in from the shadows. She points out that they're being watched by a human family in the square. The other hooded figure, Dimitri, begins to get anxious as the family speaks to the festival guards, pointing them out. They're then joined by a third cloaked figure. She was small, the size of a child, but Felix and Dimitri back away in her presence. Edward relaxes his arms in resignation. Jane. Jane. He says with a defeated voice. Jane. She tells them to come with her, and the group complies without hesitation. They walk further into the alley and slide down an open hole at the end of the street. They walk through an underground tunnel, lit only by the faint white radiance of Edward's bare chest. Bella holds on to Edward for guidance, wondering if this will be the only reunion they'll have. Silently, he traces the contours of her face gently with his thumb. Feeling Edward's desire for her gives Bella a semblance of comfort, but she wonders it's only because he feels guilty for drawing her into such a horrible situation. Black slowly bleeds into gray as they approach the end of the tunnel. Bella begins to shiver. Her clothes are still wet, and underground it was as cold as Edward's skin. Edward notices and tries to loosen his hold, but she pulls him back close. Finally, they arrive at an iron gate. In the middle was a door made of smaller interlaced bars waiting open for them. They enter a large bright stone room, and Bella hears the door slam shut behind them. Wow. Things are really heating up in this story, aren't they? Things really are. I'm excited. I know. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back with more Twilight. Twilight. And welcome back to Twilight. So, Spencer, we learned actually quite a bit today about vampires, uh, more so than werewolves this time. So, werewolves. Um, I'd like to ask you, what have you learned this week? Well, I learned that the Chiefs really uh, benefit from having a uh, healthy offensive line. All right. Oh, you said the, we're but, in a good mood I'm today. in a great mood. Um, <laughs> sorry. Uh, so, yeah, we learned quite a bit. Uh, we learned vampires and werewolf, werewolves smell bad to each other. Which makes sense. Makes sense. You know, they're natural, natural enemies. enemies. Jinx, hear me go. Damn. Carlisle uh, speculates that abstaining from hunting makes them makes the vampires more civilized, and that's why they're able to be exist in a large group together. With the exception being the Volturi, who can exist together, but it's because you know they're powerful, powerful, and it's you know kind of a greater objective or whatever. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The more feral, mm-hmm. like vampires, go in smaller covens. Yeah, typically you only see them in like in, they're either on their own or maybe a pair or like three, but it's usually out of convenience. Mm-hmm. They don't actually ever care about each other except maybe if they're paired up. Right. Uh, weird thing. Uh, the book mentions the pilot uh, when they descend into uh, Rome, announces their descent in English and then in French. It might just be like uh, one of the things. I don't know. It might, they might have been a on a airline. French airline, actually. I guess. Yeah, because, I mean, they got a last-minute flight, so. Yeah. Um, Alice uh, kind of explains a little bit more about her powers. Uh, they're the more immediate and specific an event is if she, that she's trying to un- predict, the easier it is. And more clearly, more accurately, she can predict it. And also, uh, 
she's more accurate when she knows the person well and understands them, which yeah, makes sense. Yeah, so she's like more attuned to their... Yeah, to, to their actions and yeah, all that. or aura or whatever Whatever she she's attuning to. to. Yeah, <laughs> their thereness. Yeah. Uh, we learned uh, quite a bit about the Volturi. I'm not going to mention more because I believe you're going to discuss them, I right? am going to talk a little bit okay, about it. Okay, so yeah. I, I will kind of leave it there. But, we... but I mean, if you do have questions... Uh, I don't right now, okay. and I'll ask them when they come up. In your part. But uh, we do get to meet our first members of the Volteri. Yes, and who are they? Uh, Felix, Dimitri are the two pair. The, two boys. The, the two boys that they meet originally. And then Jane, who's some kind of like higher up. I guess one of the nine permanent guard members, I would guess, uh-huh. uh, comes in. She's like tiny, like a little kid almost, but you know, clearly powerful and important right. to the others. I mean, yeah, she made everyone shut the fuck up and follow her. Yeah, so. like Edward didn't even fight it at all. He's like, oh, no, this is over. We're, <laughs> yeah. we're going. <laughs> I ain't getting out of this one. I don't know if you covered it in your piece, but we, you know, oh, no, we talked about it during the summary. I was going to talk about the St. Marcus Day, but we pretty much covered all of it. Oh, I mean, we just mentioned it. Was there something but, but, you wanted well, to say about well, it? Well, we mentioned St. Marcus was, it, is Marcus, is Marcus of the Volturi, right. and, and they're celebrating who they think is a saint who... Who read the city of vampires? Read the city of vampires, but really they just all went underground. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, they kind of got rid of them. Yeah, I mean, as far yeah, as the humans it, care. Yeah, it seemed like he got rid of them, yeah. and I, I think it's, it's something that they, like one of those little inside jokes that they enjoy immensely. Yeah, and, and, and it's part of the joys of being there is that mm-hmm. people literally worship them. And I'm gonna talk about that a little bit more in. Oh, okay. Well, let's get to but, your predictions yeah. now. Predictions, yeah. So um, I'm going to guess one of the Volturi have, like, memory erasing powers because they talk about having to, like, silence people that, like, reveal their secrets. But I'm like, if one person does it once, it's over. So they must have a way to, like, erase memories like Harry Potter where they can wipe people's memories or Men in Black. That's a really good, cool thing to think about. I, I did, I've never even thought, but I kind of want to ask you, like, what kind of powers do you think we're going to be seeing when we go in there? I'm very curious. I'm excited about that. It, I, that was the one specifically I thought of. I'm sure there's going to be, like, a strong one, like Emmett. There's probably going to be, man, like, probably just a really intelligent one. I'll have to think about that more. The the mind erasing one was the one I thought of. Right. Probably one that can travel like super fast or something. You know, probably a physical powers mixed with mental ones too. Maybe. Okay. Maybe uh, telekinesis or something. Interesting. And maybe can move stuff with their minds. Interesting. We'll see. We'll see. I'm curious. I'm very excited okay. to get to the Volturi. Um, it's gonna be really cool. We're getting into interesting part of the book here. Yeah, interesting like vampire lore, right? Like yes. the, our world mm-hmm. of vampires is now expanding. Yeah, and, and especially exciting. Alice being like, they all have really strong powers yeah. and all that. Yeah. Like so. <laughs> there's a reason why they're the ones in charge. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, so I also I I'm gonna bet that some point with their interaction this book they're gonna make try to make a deal they're be like all right Edward like Bella we'll let Bella go but you have to join us or or with Al I think they're gonna be very intrigued with Alice's powers mm-hmm. if not this book at some point I think they're gonna be like that's a really dope power and if like we really focused it and harnessed it yeah I we, mean because it is could, a really dope power well and it would help them a ton with like stopping people from revealing their secrets because they could see it coming um so i think they're gonna do that something like that where they're gonna try and make a deal but then they're gonna find a way out of it because bella's gonna be like i'm not going without you edward and then the whole thing and i think the other colons are gonna show up because every time someone tells someone not to do something because (laughs) it's dangerous they do it so it's just what's gonna happen aka rose fucking talking to edward Rose is such a cunt why would you tell rose you know what rose was gonna do 
I mean, I mean, she, she hates Bella. I did see that you like wrote off to the side in your book, like fucking course she would. Or you said yeah, something. Yeah, I was like, yeah, about, like it would yeah, be Rose. She, you, she would do that. Fucking Rose <laughs> leaves Europe, goes all the way to South America just to Edward. Guess what I learned? It. I think she might have just called. Well, it said she something. tracked him down because oh. I don't think he has like a phone on him. Oh, okay. I think he's just off on his own. Well, yeah, I guess because it took about, I mean, because this is Alice's yeah, second day. Yeah, this is like third. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Plus, it she took already a while traveled to... to Denali and then came down to Forks. Right. You know. So, Rose went out of her way just to be like, guess what I heard? <laughs> uh, Bella. Interesting. But uh, on that note, this is kind of an obvious prediction, but Bella will get, be gravely injured and she will try to. Somehow to make it seem like it's not a big deal. It definitely falls within her character. I mean, that's just kind of who that's she is Bella. at this point. That's not so much a prediction as <laughs> like following a trend. Chapter. <laughs> she's she's gonna get very badly injured, and then she's gonna try to be like, guys, don't even worry about it. And it's we're fine. like, you lost a leg. <laughs> what, like, what do you mean? But um, yeah, that's good. Just about being. Oh no! What's oh. that noise? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it was an icy road. Uh, oh. Um, it's, a, it's a storm up north. See, so. I don't like that you joked about that because Jacob lost his mom at an, uh, a car accident. I'm like, would you babe? But yeah, I can cut that Well, up. hopefully we didn't lose our audience because it's time for Road to Portention. Oh, yeah. So, like last week, I'm going to do just the book review. And I think what we're going to do moving forward is instead of doing a major theme and a, a book comparison, we're just going to stick to the books because they tend to wrap a lot of themes into my book reviews. Yeah, I agree. And if I focus on the book, which I think is the part I'm more passionate about and I think is more interesting and unique to our podcast i get to do more with it yeah, and i get to kind of expand quality. on it yeah and i get to focus on it, i don't have to worry about it. so you know tell us if you really want the theme the major theme to come back you can we'll do it but um i think that would be a good choice and it's less redundant so, so we're right. just gonna do book comparisons every episode but it's gonna be great yeah and so let's get into it yeah Let's, so we can prove that ya can be lit too we're gonna take a classic piece of literature and see how it compares to this week's chapters of New Moon. And this week, it's the book that made the movie that made Emma Stone famous, The Scarlet Letter by Nathaniel Hawthorne. Excellent. Yeah, you know, I never excited. actually read The Scarlet Letter, but I've definitely read the uh, like synopsis of it yeah. From, yeah. to be able to like understand the comparisons the in Easy A. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it's one of those books where like the ideas are really good. The reading of it itself isn't like the best, isn't the best read, but it's it's uh, a good book. That happens. Book. <laughs> uh, famous for its ubiquity in English classrooms and for inspiring the hit movie Easy A, The Scarlet Letter is the story of love, vengeance, and the nature of sin. God, the Ooh. whole concept of sin is just Wild. so. Uh, yeah, like lot. this whole like shame aspect to religion man turns me off me too and we're gonna talk about it really yeah oh excellent okay. so for those of you who haven't read it or seen the uh, movie with ashton kutcher <laughs> if i have to hear read one more kid talk about how ashton, ashton kutcher, kutcher i'm gonna kill myself <laughs> let's do a quick refresh on the plot of easy a I mean, Scarlet Letter. Okay, I mean, I really fucking love Easy A. I think I, it's such a That's why I'm movie. so excited. We're, we're quoting and it. Like, we both love that Amanda movie. And Vines in it, too, which, Who, like, like her she's best a comedic role, genius. Outside of, I mean, maybe, I think she's better in this than um, even 
her uh, Shakespeare White. movie. Oh, Shakespeare. Oh, no, no, no. She's uh, the, the man. She she's the definitely man, yeah. has the most excellent comedic timing uh, in She's the Man. But I the, think that... Easy is a lot better of a movie. Yes. And, and both her of characters them are based off of classic, you know, exactly. literature. Exactly. There you go. <laughs> uh, she's a man being based off Twelfth Night, a play I was in, in high school. And we was not very good. Twelfth Night is what what I saw whenever I went and saw Shitface Shakespeare. I wish and I could have seen so that funny. with you. I would have so laughed good. my butt off because I actually know that way. I didn't learn like over a thousand lines of dialogue. That's I did insane. Th- over a thousand lines. It, it was the second or third most outside of like Hamlet and Macbeth. It was the Shakespeare character who had the most lines of all <laughs> his plays. Damn. And it was awful. And, and I was, was a high schooler. <laughs> I worked so hard in that play, it sucked. Anyways, Scarlet Letter. The book begins in 17th century Boston. 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 Habba. Where a young woman clutching a baby is being carted through the town. The woman is Hester Prynne, and she's being punished for the sin of adultery. She came to Boston ahead of her husband. When he never arrived, it was assumed that he had been lost at sea. And in that time, she had an adulterous affair and and had given birth to a child. As punishment for the affair, she is placed on scaffolding at the center of a town and forced to adorn a giant red A on her chest, marking her as an adulterer. A crowd surrounds the scaffolding and verbally abuses Hester for hours, but she refuses to reveal the name of the child's father. Amongst the crowd is Hester's husband, now going by the name of Roger Chillingworth. He visits Hester and explains his plan to discover and kill father of her child. Oh, shit. He wants revenge! What if he's the father of the child? No, he's not. Oh. But what a twist. What a twist. Especially because she didn't know, she thought he was dead this whole time. Yes. When when did that happen? Anyways, <laughs> years pass and Hester raises her daughter Pearl by herself in a small cabin on the outskirts of town. Chillingworth works in town as a doctor with only, Hest- with only Hester knowing of his true identity. Uh, part I left out that I probably should explain. Uh, he was missing because he got like he got kidnapped, or, or oh, he was living with Native parents? Americans. Oh. But he was a doctor in England, and then he was learning. He learned a lot of folk medicine, you know, quote unquote folk medicine. It's just medicine to them, obviously, from the Native Americans. Oh. And so he became a really successful doctor because he kind of had both training. Cool. You know, he had training on diseases more specific to America and all the stuff they knew with their plants and medicines. Yeah. Anyways. One day, a group of villagers come to take away Hester's daughter, believing that she is incapable of raising her correctly. However, they are stopped by the sympathetic Arthur Dimsdale. I always want to say Dimsdale Dimidome. Owned by me, Dale Dimidome. Owner of the Dimsdale Dimidome. Something like that. Yeah, yeah, I'm Dale Dimidome. Owner of the Dimsdale Dimidome. From Very Odd Parents. I looked it up, it is Dimsdale. It is, it is so how you pronounce funny. it. Because I'm like, I can't be calling him Dimsdale this whole time if it's like Dimesdale or something. I look like a jackass, but it's Dimsdale. Doug Dimsdale. Uh, by the sympathetic Arthur Dimsdale, a young and well-regarded minister. Unfortunately, Dimsdale is slowly deteriorating from a mysterious heart condition, which leads to Chillingworth moving in with him so they can provide better care for the minister. Chillingworth begins to suspect that Dimsdale is, the, in fact, the father of Hester's child, and one night... While the minister is sleeping, discovers a mark on his chest that confirms his suspicions. Dimsdale's condition is actually the result of the immense guilt he feels about the affair and for letting Hester take all the blame for it. His health significantly worsens as Cullenworth torments him for what he's done. Noticing his worsening condition, Hester arranges to meet Dimsdale in the woods at night, and the two make plans to sail to Europe and finally live together as a family. 
the day before they are set to leave, Dimsdale delivers his greatest sermon yet. And on the way home, he sees Hester and Pearl standing by the scaffolding, not allowed to be in to listen to the sermon in the church. Mm-hmm. Months of psychological torture from Collinsworth and himself have left Dimsdale nearly mad with guilt, and he impulsively takes Hester and Pearl up onto the scaffolding with him. There, he reveals the affair to the town, improves it by revealing a chest, which is adorned with a scar, a giant scarlet A. Mm. He immediately collapses, finally succumbing to his heart condition. With his quest for revenge completed, Chillingsworth's life is devoid of meaning, and he fades away and eventually dies in just a year. Damn, this is dark. I know. Hester uses the large inheritance left by Dimsdale to move to England, but once Pearl is grown up and married on her own, she returns to Boston. She once again adorns the scarlet letter A, claiming the letter as her own. When she dies, she's buried next to Dimsdale. The two graves share a single tombstone, engraved with a single letter A. That's fucking bleak. Yeah. Like Dimsdale, Edward is tormented by guilt and self-hatred. And for both of them, the only way to cleanse their guilt, at least in their minds, is confession and atonement. Mm. Both try to clear their conscience through good deeds and self-punishment, but it's never enough. They must reveal themselves to the world as the monsters they believe themselves to be. Damn, ain't that the truth? Mm -hmm. Dimsdale chooses to reveal the scarlet A carved into his chest, a physical manifestation of the symbol used to shame Hester that he was never forced to bear. Believing he had led Bella to her death drives Edward to Volterra, but in his mind, Edward's greatest sin is being a vampire. His skin, which sparkles in the sunlight, is the most visually distinct part of his vampirism. Besides his blood first, it's the aspect of his powers that are the most cursed. His skin forces him to live in shadow and darkness, and is what he chooses to reveal to Bella in their most intimate moment. But unlike his bloodthirst, he has no control over it. It is and always will be part of him, banishing him from normal society, just as Dimsdale's adultery would have done to him. Yeah. And should have. Both men choose in their final moments, though Dimsdale doesn't know that it's his final moment, to expose their deepest shame, releasing them from their burden. And both men arrogantly believe that their self-sacrifice is done for the sake of those they love. Yeah. Edward leaves Bella to protect her, but in the end he only puts her in greater danger. And by attempting such dramatic and such a dramatic and public suicide in some backwards display of repentance, he endangers her yet again. And Dimsdale selfishly chooses to bring Hester and his daughter with him to show up on the scaffolding, just show just how bad he feels about their affair, instead of focusing on protecting them and their future together. In reality, neither women needed them to take these drastic measures. Bella was on the path towards healing before Edward's choices forced her to go after him. Hester was slowly regaining status in her community through her kindness and charitable work. And in the end... Hester chose to embrace the Scarlet Letter and the mistakes of her past instead of agonizing over the expectations of others. Damn. You're speaking some truth No, yeah. I mean, they're a bunch of assholes. (laughs) The two guys, they're doing that dickhead boy thing where you you think love or everything has to be so dramatic. Yes. But anyways. uh, Well, he is a permanent 17-year-old, so. Edward's slightly more understandable. (laughs) Dimsdale just... He, well, he was just going fucking crazy. Oh, Dimsdale, Dimsdale. I, can't. I know. I can't not hear it either. It, it's unfortunate. The contrast between sunlight and darkness plays a major and similar theme in both books. In The Scarlet Letter, day and night are used to highlight the conflict between individual desire and societal expectations. 
Hester's punishment, her ostracization, and Dinsdale's death all occur during the day. While it's only at night, protected from society's judgmental gaze, the Hester and Dinsdale are able to profess their love and plan for their future. And that puritanical society in the Scarlet Letter, much like the Volturi, utilize imagery to control and reinforce their desired values. 17th century Boston enforces their puritanical beliefs on infidelity through shame, symbolized by the iconic Scarlet A. In Volterra, we see the color red as well, used to create community and reinforce the belief that their city is safe from vampires. While the citizens don't realize it, by ingraining in them the importance of safety from vampires in particular, they allow themselves to be controlled more easily. Shit. No one would suspect vampires living among them in Volterra because the very identity of the city centers around the belief that they are uniquely safe from them, even if it is kind of a mythological festival. And yes. they don't see it as literal. Sure. <laughs> and in many ways, the Volturi do keep people safe, but that doesn't make them good. You know, look at Chillingworth. He was a respected doctor who helped heal many people, but his acts didn't make him any less evil. Tyrannical governments often rise to power with the promise of safety from a foreign evil. And the Volturi, Volturi are no different, except that they use their control from the safety of the shadows. Mm. So whether through shame, symbols, guilt, or hate... Both the Scarlet Letter and New Moon show us the destructive nature of sin and our obsession with its absolution. Wow, babe. Well said. I could submit that to my English class. You know who I would submit it to? Who? Ashton Kutcher. <laughs> well, all right. That's enough for me. Why don't we uh, pull off this old dusty road to pretension? Yeah? Where are we going? Home. Really? No, we're going to go to the truck stop of Facts About the Volturi. Yeah. It's a very specific truck stop. So, yeah, you guys, my uh, my segment is going to be on the Volturi. Volturi. Um, so there's actually a lot, a lot, a lot of information oh, I'm regarding sure. the Volturi, all their members, their backstories, shit like that. Um, but I'm going to focus on, like, the creation of the Volturi mm -hmm. and um, kind of their beginning years. Awesome. So, the story begins as early as 1400 BCE, because uh, somewhere within the, the years of 1400 to 1200 BCE, the three leaders of the Volturi, uh, Caius, Marcus, and Aro, were all born in Greece. And this is during the Mycenaean period, which is mm. like the late Bronze Age of Greece. Kind of like the they were the... Proto-Greeks. They were kind of the Greek... Essentially, uh, yeah. Early Greek culture before what we know of Greek culture. Yes. Yes, the Mycenaeans. Um, and... Uh, Great painted pots. Yes. And vases. Between then and around 1000 BCE is when they form the Volturi, which includes the boys' wives as well. So Aro's right, wife, Sulpicia. I said that right, right? I've never seen that word before, so I'll, I'll say yes. Uh, Caius's wife, Athenodora, and Marcus's wife, Didymi, who's also Aro's sister. Didymi. Didymi, you. When they All great names, by the way. Yes, I love, I love it. Name. Yes. I want to I wanna name an animal Didymi. I love that name. I, that is, all of these names are great animal names. <laughs> uh, when they formed this coven, they also founded the city of Volterra in pre-Roman Etruscan Italy. Etruscans are, are the uh, civilization that was there prior to the Romans existing. I, I know that only because they, they mention it in the book and I had to look it up. 
Yes. <laughs> they were like they were there since the Etruscans. Like like Who people the just fuck know are that the Etruscans. Like yeah. I've I've always heard of the Mycenaeans, but the Etruscans sound like a similar thing for Roman culture. It is, but I've just never heard of it yeah, before. I've like, heard the Mycenaeans, just not the Etruscans. Yeah, it's the pre-Roman civilization. Yeah, I wouldn't say it's proto-Roman. I mean, that's that's oversimplifying it. Obviously, their own culture, but yeah, right, that's but how Roman you like something super distinct. And, yeah, yeah, and, yeah, and this was way before that. Right. So um, at this time, Dacia. I think is how you pronounce it, which is a proto-Romania, which I can call it proto-Romania. Um, I think it's like the same type of, you know, people. They just hadn't been called Romania yet. Right. Um, so they are, that's where the center of power is in the vampire world. This oh. is the Romanian coven that I told yeah. you about, um, Vlad and Stefan yeah. from the Laurent story. <laughs> just love Vlad and Stefan. Vladimir, but I like to call him Vlad. I mean, it's still... Vlad and stuff. Yeah. So around uh, 400 to 500 CE, so this is like... Common era. 1,500 years later. Yeah. Um, is, long ass time. Yes. Is when the Volturi actually began their offensive against the Romanians. Oh. So instead of attacking them outright, they instead demanded that the Romanians conform to the laws set by the Volturi, which they claim benefited all vampires. Uh, Spencer, Ooh. can you guess what those laws were about? Uh, no idea. Couldn't tell you. It's really obvious. I just not, nothing. Are you sure? Because I mean, really you got to think. What is the one thing vampires do? I, I have no clue. They keep the existence of vampires a secret. Oh, that's so obvious now that you say it. <laughs> I'm such a dumb fucking asshole. No, you're I'm such <laughs> a dumb I'm a dumb little piece of shit for not knowing that. You're mean aren't to I yourself. A, aren't I a dumb little dinky boy? All right. <laughs> We're not going down that road. Okay, obviously I could have guessed it was to keep their secret. I was doing yes. Bella, right? I know, yeah, yeah. Clear. I think I hope you all understand that. And I am a little dumb little dinky boy. Shut the fuck <laughs> I don't know what that means. Okay, anyway, so they want to keep the existence of vampires a secret because before this, it wasn't. Well, I would like to... You I, I know imagine I'm, I know, the, yeah, okay. the seat of power the Romanians sit on now that you think that. Why didn't they just rule the world? They essentially did. Whoa, okay. <laughs> I mean, they were in charge of the, you know, they, they lived like disgusting kings. Anyways. Was Jesus a vampire? Stay tuned to find out. <laughs> Was Buddha a vampire? So the Volturi claimed that by falling into the shadows, they were able to live their lives without the threat of being run down by moms of angry people. As even if though, they could outrun them. I mean, yeah, even though humans weren't that much of a threat, at least not at this time. Right. But there's a lot more humans than vampires. Yes, exactly. And vampires don't really team up or and they, anything. And they were like, plus it's more convenient if they don't know about us. I mean, we honestly, We can sneak up yeah. on them way easier. Like, Well, and you think most vampires are just on their own anyway, so it's not like... Cause so individually, they could get hunted and... and like like Carlisle, the vampire he hunted down. Exactly. You know, the, yeah. yeah, that mob was nothing for him. <laughs> right, but it still is annoying. Even so, the idea was kind of catching on, and the Volturi demanded that the Romanian coven abide by those laws. When they didn't, the Volturi used this as the excuse to go after them and upseat the Romanians, claiming and advertising, really, uh, that it was for the good of all vampires. Oh, God. Which made it seem more than just like a territorial power dispute kind of thing. I mean, which it they always essentially do. was. <laughs> 
But uh, this war lasted over a century and technically is still going on because Vlad and Stefan are still alive. They're like the only two remaining. Oh, they're still alive. Okay. Yeah. Is it, so it's like the Korean War where we never technically ended the Korean War? Yes, essentially. Was this the Hundred Years War that they had? It was over but a hundred years. Isn't that... oh, I have no idea. No. But uh, the Romanians' power was taken from them and their palaces destroyed in the process. Damn. Yeah. And once the Bummer. Vol- yeah, seriously. <laughs> and once the Volturi came into power and took it upon themselves to police these new laws that they set in place, the rest of the vampire world kind of fell into line. And, you know, like, over time, vampires started being formed with those rules already set in place. Right. It became more convenient. Humans became more dangerous. You know. True, yeah. If technology gets better, humans can hunt them more. And, right. Yeah. And it gets easier to live at night with yeah. lights and, you know, electricity exactly. and all that. Anyway. So now the Volturi were able to do all of this because Aro had begun to intentionally create gifted vampires to serve as a Volturi guard. Um, So the Romanians, they did have very strong and powerful vampires, but they mainly focused on like physical strength. Mm -hmm. Um, And and, but that was really no, (laughs) no competition to the psychically gifted vampires that Aro created. Oh, interesting. Yes. I like that. They weren't really a match. Uh, but that's, you know, pretty much it for the history. So at present day, um, we have, you know, the three men and two women. So Hashtag equality. So we'll learn more about that later. Uh-huh. Not in the books, but I'll tell you more about it later. Right. Um, and the guard stands at nine permanent members and 12 transitory members. I know you said it was unknown, but it, I read it in the illustrated guide. It was okay. 12. Okay. Yeah. I was trying to remember if I said countless or unknown, because I'm like, if I said countless, we'll probably have to fix that. No, there's about <laughs> 12 transitory. Number. Okay. But I mean, Less it's transitory, thought, but so they can be more or less, but at, they they're kind of stay in that area. They're yeah. kind of like a, a mystios, yes, a mercenary a for them. We're um, playing Assassin's Creed Odyssey. It's a great yeah, game. It takes great. place in ancient Greece. Super awesome. A lot of fun. P- Post Mycenaean. <laughs> yeah, well, because you you can find uh, Mycenaean ruins in some places. Oh which yeah, is really that's cool. Right. Yeah, you can that see is the artwork. Neat. That's the Hell iconic yeah. artwork. So uh, these the guard is ranked. The the people within the guard are ranked based on their powers. Uh-huh. So the more gifted vampires will be like at the forefront, like top tier kind of. The the GT members. Yeah, gifted there's, and there's talented. a tier, right? Because we have the Volturi members, right? And then we have the guard that includes those permanent, and then the transitory. Yeah. So you have so. like remedial, you know, GT students, AP students. Right. I wouldn't call them remedial. We call them just academic. Well, I mean, it'd be remedial, then academic, then GT, then AP. All right. Uh, well, that's it for us, actually. Awesome. That's so. super interesting. I can't wait to learn more about Vol- I know. I can't wait to it's learn so more about the Volturi. That's I can't awesome. wait to read the next few chapters. Yeah, with you I, because... I think the last couple, the next, we only have a couple more episodes left this book. Yeah. I think only two more. I mean, it's wild, but I, I do, I, I like how kind of, what is it if you if you kind of put the plot onto a chart it mimics the first book pretty similarly in that like like you you're you're discovering like unknown creatures in in the middle and like that's kind of the thing and then at the end there's this like big thing yeah uh, besides the uh, breakup of the beginning it is kind of the same plot with discovering jacob's powers and everything but but it's 
you know, I don't, I'm not bothered by it being basically the same plot because you're learning a whole other creature. Exactly. And it's, and it's very interesting. And there's also, it's not completely the and same. And it's not just like, oh, there's a vampire, bad vampire after me. No, this right. time she has to like save Go Edward. To the city. Well, I was worried it was going to be a bad werewolf. Then I would have been like, that's going to suck. That's too close. Th- yeah. And that's when I was like, I don't think she's going to do that. And that's kind of where I thought like Sam's not going to be the bad guy. Because I'm like, okay. because there's this whole Edward thing. They're not going to have that antagonist. And then the whole Edward plot happened too. Unless they pushed it to the next book or something. Anyways, but I'm very excited. But yeah, it's kind of, yeah, it's meandering with Jacob and everything. And then like kind of get boom rushed into right. we the get taken and all by that. Fucking surprise. But it works like, because. Did you think this was going to happen? Well, I, I did only because I knew at some point they'd go. But I was starting to think, I'm like, is that just going to be the next book? Mm. But it's not. I thought this, I was starting to get to the point where I was like, maybe this book ends with Alice coming and being like, Edward's going to kill himself. Okay. We got to go. And then we go to the next book, but yeah. But, but we here eventually we are. Get but uh, but it works because Bella. That's how Bella feels. She's getting thrown into it. She's kind of learning on the fly and figuring it out. And we're kind of yeah. Getting, we're she just as shocked by, as she like, is. Like a fucking brick. Yeah. When so. Alice gets there, like unexpected. Yeah. No. Right. But uh, I mean, unexpected for some. I knew it was coming. True. I called it. But speaking of what's to come, Spencer, what chapters do we have to look forward to next week? Uh, I believe it's three next week, because mm-hmm. then after that, I think there's only two episodes left for this book. Oh, how exciting. I think the three chapters next week, and then we have just two chapters in the epilogue the week after. So next week will be 21, One. 22, 23, yeah. and a book. Yeah. We'll talk about a book. Let's Probably. A book. We'll see if how uh, which one I pick. I'm excited. What if I just pick Twilight? Wouldn't no. that be a twist? No. All right. Maybe not. But uh, yeah, thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, We can't wait to talk to you next week. The episodes are probably going to get a lot better because I won't be distracted by football. Heck yeah. (laughs) Be sure to like us on Facebook, Instagram, um, at Twilight Pod, um, and our website, TwilightPod.com. If you have any questions or just want to say hi, Hi. you can also message us at TwilightPod at gmail.com. Our intro song is by my buddy, Alex Chavez. You can check out more of his music on his Facebook page, Vintage Attire Music. And as always, guys, read read your vegetables and eat your books. Is that how Sybil does it? <laughs> Sybil does chew my books. And if she chews like one of my favorites, we may have to get rid of her. That's a lie. Yeah, I know. We may have to get a new favorite. <laughs> <laughs> well, don't suck, Don't guys. suck, you guys. It can be tempting, but don't do it. It's not I worth mean, it. Only if you're married and over 21. Shame. Shame. Otherwise, you have to wear the scarlet you letter. You have to wear the scarlet letter, which, hey, you know what? Flip it. Make it hot. Lean in. Scarlet V. Hey. <laughs> All right. Thank you, guys. Bye. Bye. Scarlet, uh, Scarlet V because you said flip it over. Oh, so I was thinking V for vampire. A, but oh I also God. think that's funny too. Oh multiple my ways. God. I'm a genius. You're, You're welcome. Fucking genius. Oh my God. I'm so sad about the Super Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> ah, I don't know what that means. <laughs>